0: Coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. COVID, they probably, you know, maybe heard of someone or or knew someone that lost their life a little bit early. They probably were home a little bit more than they thought. And they're like, this isn't so bad. And they probably found something, hobbies or something else they can do. And they realized that that's not my highest priority. Their life is too short. So it kind of reprioritized what was important in that generation's mindset. Because before COVID, I had a lot of discussions with accountants, attorneys, bankers, financial advisors, like, we need to help this generation because I have so many owners that say, I'm going to die with my boots on at my desk. This season of Influencing Entrepreneurs is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization of Charlotte and Spiracle Media.
1: After years of teaching entrepreneurship and consulting business owners, I realized that true knowledge comes from the wins and losses of those entrepreneurs. These are the stories of those business leaders. I'm Kazma Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. Today, we're here with Jay Offerdahl of Viking Mergers and Acquisitions. So thank you for being with
0: Thanks us. for having me, Kaz.
1: So I, I want to take the conversation to where we end up at Viking Merger and Acquisition, because one of the things that happens is we, we build business plans, we start a business, and sometimes the only vision is towards the exit strategy, to where we're we're talking to you. I think more people should have that thought, but yes, yes <laughs> I agree exactly. But what do they not do from day one that may affect them by the time they get there? What should they start focusing on from day one? Well, most
0: people think about they
1: start they're starting a business
0: because of the independence and creating their own destiny, and you know they think it looks glamorous and, and easy. But to your point, the only way you start a business is set, is set up to sell it. So when they first start, they have to have a, a vision for what they're gonna do and when it's gonna accomplish that. It may change, their business plan may change and they may find themselves way down the road, but a lot of people have thoughts about, I wanna create something for my family, I wanna create something for this or that, and the reality is, is you wanna start something so you can set up to sell it. Right. And there's a lot of things around that. There's probably not enough time to go into all the, the details, but you know, it's lonely when you start a business, right? Just trying to ramp it up. But every time you kind to take that next step, you're inevitably thinking about
1: how I'm creating more equity for myself to plan my exit. So what are the things that that build it to the exit? Because there is, sometimes people just, they're making the same salary they were working, but they have their own independence or they have that ownership over it. Um, What is the value you're looking for that makes an exit worthwhile?
0: The business has to be transferable. I mean, if you go to enough seminars, a lot of people will talk about how do you set up a business where it can run without you being involved? The reality is we've seen over 700 transactions and there's very few people that can truly get on an airplane, go travel abroad and be off the grid for you know two, three, four weeks. So the owner involvement is normally part of the process. There's a few people that are able to scale to the point where they have management teams in place and they've got really successful people that are running their business for them. But the reality is is that's probably less than half a percent of what you're going to see. So then the question is, how do you at least surround yourself with with competent people to make sure that when you do look to exit, that the transition can be obtainable for whatever that buyer is, whether it's an individual buyer who's a serial entrepreneur or a first time buyer at Corporate America, whether it's a strategic buyer that's buying their second or third business, or if it's a private equity group that is rolling up a certain segment of the the industry. The, The key is they're paying for a multiple of the cash flow. And they want to make sure there's some sort of ability to transfer the head knowledge of the business owner into the new
1: ownership group or if it's an individual. Okay. So I, I want to talk about the word multiple. Okay. Because everyone, uh, whether they're experienced or inexperienced in, in acquisitions, mergers, MA, whatever, you know, whatever the acronym of, of the time is, they're like, I just want to get my multiple up. I, you know, and, and really I want to get a valuation of my company. And sure you see my company's worth hundreds of millions or they they come up with their own. Going back to multiple, which is a, a primary indicator of valuation, how would you explain that to a new business owner?
0: I think if you want to make it simple, you think about the inverse of risk, right? As risk goes up, the multiple goes down. So things that are customer concentration or the owner is the business, right? They're wearing three or four different hats. They're the head of marketing, the H- head of HR, the head of accounting. That is more risky because it's not as transferable. So that's when the multiple goes down. No, multiple right now are all-time high. It's a seller's market, just like residential real estate, commercial real estate. So it is a good time for business owners to consider what their options are because we may never see the taxes this low again, no matter what happens, you know, don't, not to get into politics, but no matter what happens, we've got to serve as a debt. So there's no one that's going to come in and start lowering taxes or so the lowest tax bracket we may ever see in our generation. Mm-hmm. And we're at the highest in terms of multiples because there's still a lot of liquidity on the sidelines. There's a more of an entrepreneur spirit that was created, I believe, somewhat because what people went through during COVID. And so there's more buyers that are in the market now than they were pre-COVID. I'm almost 2x as far as the number of buyer inquiries we normally get now than we did pre-COVID.
1: So you, you mentioned COVID being uh, maybe a primary driver of where the the M and A market is right now, and also you know tax rates. What does drive the velocity of the number of deals that you have to work with?
0: You know, historically since 1996, it's been pretty consistent. I mean, consistently going up. Besides .com September 11th Great Recession, and then the second quarter of, of 2020 when COVID hit, there was just this giant pause. Uh, but since then. Things have been very active. It really opened, I think, a lot of people's eyes to the where they are in life. Right, the 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 corporate person realized it was kind of neat not having to you know commute uptown or wherever they may live. Um, the the baby boomer realized that maybe life is too short and their business may not define them as a human being. Um, and so it just kind of created this this perfect storm of
1: increased seller interest and increased buyer demand. Speaking of how COVID, you know, affected this market. What did you see happen uh, with with the inverse? Because the reason I ask this is there's a lot of business. We the news tells us uh, that a lot of businesses were going under because of COVID, and honestly, we've all seen them. Yeah, 150, that. Yeah, 170,000 that we lost. Correct. There's truth right. to that. There is. And then when you hear about this this volatile market that that people are buying and selling left and right, it's like, what do I not understand?
0: Well, I think the businesses that that weren't impacted became more valuable. Everyone started you know, being home wardens. They're going to do more the secondary home market. Um, all those type things went up because the work from home, they could do it almost anywhere and they're going to be at home. So they're going to put a pool in, they're going to buy bicycles. They're going, to, I mean, all the things that went up because of it were in higher demand and realize it may be recession proof. So that, again, the risk went down. So the multiples went up. And, and we're seeing, I think, Especially the baby boomers. You know, I think everyone knows this. You know, ten thousand people a day are turning seventy through twenty thirty-four. Right? They own somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to twelve trillion dollars. I mean, some absurd amount of small businesses. Right? You know, it's like sixty percent. Before that, I believe a lot of the baby boomers, that generation, was defined by being a provider, and they just they worked. My, my dad was like, I mean, he was a workaholic. It's not a bad word. I mean, he just he enjoyed working. He his self worth was providing for his family. Um, COVID, they probably, you know, maybe heard of someone or or knew someone that lost their life a little bit early. They probably were home a little bit more than they thought. And they're like, this isn't so bad. And they probably found something, hobbies or something else they can do. And they realized that that's not my highest priority. Their life is too short. So it kind of reprioritized what was important in that generation's mindset. Because before COVID, I had a lot of discussions with accountants, attorneys, bankers, financial advisors, like we need to help this generation because I have so many owners that say, I'm gonna die with my boots on at my desk. I'm like, you're really gonna break the key off and lock on the way out and say, it has been a good run and not consider your family and your generational equity you can create by selling at the
1: right time. And I believe COVID did that job for me, so I don't have to say that. So for any business or organization, they are split into um, divisions of operations, finance and accounting, marketing, sales, perhaps HR. Is there any one, department when it's running at full steam that really can help drive the value of a company?
0: Accounting. Be- because of the, we talked about the assessment of risk. And the first thing a buyer wants to do is during due diligence, but right, due diligence is the opportunity for someone to ex- assess risk. They're diving into the financials, bank statements, P and L's, balance sheet statement, of cash flows, tax returns. If the accounting department is is tight on how they're running their books and they're re- matching revenue with expenses, ideally, right. right? Accrual versus the cash. So you're matching revenue with expenses then it, it makes the buyer, whether it's individual, strategic, or private equity, they feel like if you're tight and buttoned up here, then you're probably tight and buttoned up everywhere else. So the first thing they do is they dive in. If you got sloppy books and records, they're probably going to spend more time and do deals just looking at your your employee files and your, your vendor contracts and all the other things because you're not running a tight ship up front. And they can then access, you know, the the information they have much
1: easier. I feel like we just filmed a commercial for uh, my my, (laughs) my firm as well, which is exactly (laughs) what I do. That's why you're 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 busy though. People need your help when they're running the business.
0: I had to do. I had to hire someone because I enjoy. I was a finance guy. I love QuickBooks, and I was like, this is not my highest and best use, right? So so people need professionals when it comes to the, their accounting.
1: Do you have examples where you had a company where you thought like, Oh, this is a great company Well, they'll get X amount of dollars or valuation. And because their accounting practices weren't so sound, it kept going down and down. Yes.
0: And I, th- and I think we build a lot of credibility when we tell a business owners says, Hey, I'm burned out or I'm ready to retire. And we're like, we're well, sorry, you're not ready. Here's the things you need to do. And let's start with, you know, stop treating the, the business like your personal piggy bank, right? It's a, it's an opportunity to maximize shareholder wealth when people think, well, I'm not a public company. That's their job. No, that's every business's job, maximize shareholder wealth. Let's start with that. How do you accomplish that? You get your books squeaky clean. You make sure someone's overseeing that and you stop treating the business like your personal piggy bank.
1: You know, I've had that conversation several times. Why do you think it feels like it's you're wrestling them away from
0: taxes? Right? right? They're trying to minimize that. You know, how many times have you heard the conversation and, you know, December 1st is like, okay, how do we cut my net income in half in the next 30 days? Right. right? Yeah. I want to buy equipment. I want to buy this. And, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to show them the math. Yeah. Like you run your business and, and, you know, let's use round numbers and you have a hundred thousand dollars that you expense to the business. So you're saving yourself an effective tax of 33,000. What if that hundred thousand was worth six, eight, 10, 12, 14? I mean, it's getting a little bit higher, but there's a lot of businesses that are now trading the eights and 10s and 12 times that number. And no one wants to go through, you know, three, four years of, of Amex credit card charges highlighted with meals and travel and, and cell phone bills and tanks of gas. And it's like, no, just let it drop the bottom line, pay your taxes, maximize shareholder wealth, and you'll get a better buyer at a higher multiple.
1: So, and, and that's a hard sell to, oddly. I mean, we all have to pay our taxes. Especially if they've been doing it for 15 or 20 years. Right.
0: <laughs> right, and,
1: and, and I I, I and I don't want this to turn into accounting talk, but are they really saving that much money by not paying their taxes?
0: Now, when you're talking about exiting the capital gains tax rate versus paying your ordinary income tax rate during the ownership of the business. You're really better off, especially the last, and ideally we get a hold of them 18, 24 months before they are really ready to sell. Because even if they sell, a lot of businesses will forget. You don't just like, hey, here's the keys, good luck. I mean, there's a transition, right? right. So Sometimes it's only three months, but sometimes it's, six, 12, 18, sometimes there's earnouts are tied to it. So you want to be prepared to sell on your term. So you're dictating the terms versus them being dictated
1: to you. So and I, I kind of asked, asked it before, and maybe if, if we could talk an example without giving a name or yeah. maybe even industry if you can't. But but do you like an example of a company that they look primed to sell? But as the the digging went on, the the valuation started to plummet.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot of times you, you talk about when they're not putting the inventory on the books, right, or, or their their equipment, their are expensive through cost of goods sold instead of capitalizing it, and so it, it, there's not a lot where they're just grievously like. Good thing is people don't carry cash anymore. So we used to, when I first started, we'd have to talk about the second set of books. It's like, you know, people aren't hiding cash anymore. They're just finding ways to expense things. So there's not a tremendous amount of, of times I remember someone that just really was was horrible and and Doing their, you know, tax return with pencil, but I have seen one or two of those. The owners doing their return themselves by pencil, and we're like, "Can you have a CPA at least, you know, review your financials and do your tax return and have it nice and typed out?" Yeah, make that conversation made it credible. Thanks for watching, and stay tuned for part two of this episode. Influencing Entrepreneurs is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization of Charlotte and Spherical Media. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash or visit KazmerWard.com.